Hi, this is Marcus, and I just want to welcome you to the Timbers Church Podcast. We're excited that you're here. One of the things that we aim to do is to add some value to your life, to your family, to our community, and our world. We do so by exploring the truths that come from God's Word. So start the journey with us and hit subscribe and check out this podcast every week. Now, let's dive into this week's message. Let's dive in. We're going to talk here this morning. Um, so for those of you taking notes, uh, why don't you uh, get out those note cards that you got when you came in and you can just sort of write up at the top right, new friend request. That's the series that we're doing right now, new friend request. This is going to be part two of that series. And so you can write part two right underneath that. And then if you have a Bible or a version Bible app, let's uh, begin with uh, John chapter 15. So you can open up to John chapter 15. We'll get there in just a second. But first, Let's just go back to what we talked about last week, you know, like friends, right? Like, why are we talking about friends? I thought that's something that we talked about when, like, we were, like, little kids. Like, how do you have friends? How do you get more friends? How do you, you know, like, uh, you know, how do you handle friends that stab you in the back? All this kind of, why do we have to do, talk about friends as adults? Well, uh, the reason why is because the truth of the matter is what we identified last week is friendship is something that is throughout all our life, right? It doesn't matter your age. Uh, it just enters different seasons and different chapters of friends, but no matter how young or how old you are, friendship is something that is wired inside of us for a need. We need it. We desire it, right? There's a desire to have friends in our life. So then the question becomes, that does that desire, desire to have friends, does that actually lead us to add people into our friend circle that maybe shouldn't be there, Right? Uh, because that's oftentimes, you know, we have that void, that desire. And so then all of a sudden we're like, yeah, come on in. And we're okay with just anybody being in our circle, right? Because people, and, and here's, here's the reason why it's dangerous to just allow anybody into our friend circle. The reason why is because the people that are closest to us shape us the most, right? The people closest to us shape who we become and who we are. And so we have to take responsibility and ownership for those that we allow into that inner circle. That's what we talked about last week because it matters, right? And so the cue that we gave everybody to answer or wrestle with was a question. And the question was simply this. How can I start being more proactive and not just reactive to the people that I allow to enter into my life, right? Because most of the time people, their friend groups... Or not because they went out and sought those people to be friends. It was just happen chains, happen, happenstance, right? It was like that person was convenient. They were just there. But there's a danger because you didn't actually value or, or, or critique them and say, like, what are they going to make me be? You know, you are an average of your top five friends, right? So if they're just happen chance, then you're going to become something that maybe you didn't want to be. And so we got to take responsibility and ownership and, and be proactive in making these friend uh, groups or inner circles because it matters. It's dangerous just to allow anybody into our life. So that's what we talked about last week, right? And it's cool because I just look at everybody here and I'm thinking like you guys were proactive in sort of forming friends because nobody knew each other when Timber started and it's like relationships have started to form within our own body and it's like, man, you guys get this. You guys were doing this. And so that was very, very important. But now this week, I want to continue on talking on that because there's some other things we need to talk about. So let's start by looking at a little verse in John chapter 15, verse 15. We'll start there and then we'll look at some other verses as we go. But this is what John 15, 15 says. It's Jesus talking and he says, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. 
Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. Let's stop there and let's pray. God, I just pray, Father, that you, you'll come into this message. We want to invite you into this message. Let it not be me speaking. Let it be you speaking clearly to us. And I pray, Father, in order for us to get all of it, I pray, Father, that you open our ears to hear, open our eyes to see, open our minds that we might understand and soften our hearts so that we'll be able to receive all that you speak. And then give us the strength and the courage to put all that you speak into action. Because, God, we don't want to just be hearers of your word. No, 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 no. We want to be doers. So help us to be your church. And everybody in this place said... Amen. Amen. So if we all desire friendship, right? Can we all admit that? We all desire friendship. But here's the truth about friendship. Okay. The truth about friendship is friendship, if we're honest, is complicated. It just is, right? It's complicated just because we're intentional about inviting people into our inner circle. And we have been intentional and proactive of saying, you're in, okay? You're going to be my friend, my best friend. I got you. And, and it's like, that's great and all that you were intentional about that. But the truth of the matter is that friend that you allowed into your inner circle, guess what? They're still not perfect. They're just not. And the truth of the matter is, if you're honest with yourself, you're not a perfect friend either, right? Because there's no such thing as perfect people. And so all of a sudden, when you're looking at your friends and you're looking at yourself and realizing that neither of you are perfect, there's something that becomes complicated. It's because inside of all of us is this little selfish desire, right? We all have it. It's a selfish desire. And a lot of times our friendship actually comes out of that selfish desire if we're honest, right? We see something that we want, and so all of a sudden we pursue that friend because they have something that we want. It's like they can fill that void in our life. They can, I mean, it could be anything, right? You see somebody, you're like, man, they got a cool hobby that I actually want to learn how to do. And so I want to be their friend. Why? Because they could teach me how to do that hobby, that thing, right? Or you could be looking at somebody, and it's like, that person, every time I'm around them, they make me laugh. And it's like, I like the way that I feel because when I'm around them, because they're, I'm always laughing. And so therefore, you want that feeling that comes from laughing. And so therefore, it's like, I want them to be my friend, right? Or you sit there and you have kids and you're looking at somebody else and you're like, man, their kids are so well behaved. And it's like, if my kids could learn from their kids, hey, I think I'm going to be friends with them. So my kids will play with them. And then my kids will maybe be a little bit more well behaved, right? And so all of a sudden we push in and we pursue that friendship. You look at somebody and you're like, man, they know a lot of people. If I could be friends with them, just think of all the sales that I can make with my job because they could introduce me to this person, that person. And it's like, and so we pursue that relationship where you sit there and you're like, man, if I could become friends with them at work, maybe the boss would actually give me a little bit more recognition because that person has status. And if I'm friends with them, then my status would go up. And so all of a sudden we pursue friends with them. Or it could just simply be the fact that like, you just don't like the way that you feel being lonely and not having a group of people to be around. And so just having somebody who has time to actually be with you would fill a void. And so you're like, I just want them because they have time to actually be here and I don't feel as lonely if they are here. I mean, we could go on and on with this list, couldn't we? Like the desire to have friendship, the things that pull us towards somebody could be many different things, but it all usually comes from a place of selfishness, right? Because we have something in our life that we want them to fill. It's the sinful nature inside of us that is that self-seeking, that self-promoting that, that tends to come out of us, which means our friendships are usually something that is like looking at other people and saying, how can they get me to get a step ahead? How can they benefit my life? We're not so concerned about our friend's side of things. We're more concerned about our side of things. 
And so what ends up happening down the road is we look at these relationships and it's like that relationship is no longer actually moving us in the direction we want to go. It's no longer the the step forward that we thought that it was. And so all of a sudden, rather than them helping us move forward, we just are like, I just don't know if you have the value that you used to have. And so we sort of push them off to the side and we're on to the next relationship that could actually move us forward, right? And here's the problem when we actually pursue friendship with that lens. is The problem is you end up turning friendship into way less than it was actually designed to be. Because friends can be a great part of our lives. They can enhance our lives in so many different ways. And if you stop and think about it, the very thing that you were actually pursuing in the first place was a best friend. But when you approach friendship this way, you never get to that place of having a best friend because sometimes you'll pull them forward and sometimes you're pulling them forward. It goes back and forth, right? And so all of a sudden you miss out on experience a true best friend because you're only looking out for number one. How does this move me forward? So that brings us back to how we kick things off, right? Because if we're going to address that problem there and say, how can we fix this? How can we have friendships that don't actually move in that direction? What can we look from Scripture to, to sort of learn maybe how to do this in a better way? To be a little bit better friends, right? To one another, right? And so if we go back to the text that we just sort of kicked things off, we see that it was Jesus talking. And it's cool because Jesus is one of these amazing, amazing teachers, And Jesus not only is an amazing teacher, but he also taught on a lot of different things, right? But when you look through the things that scripture sort of goes through and the things that he taught on, one of the things that you're going to start to realize is he didn't really talk a lot about friendship. Hmm. Bummer, right? It's like here we have one of the best teachers of all time and he didn't really talk a lot about this. And uh, it would have been great if he did. And I don't know why he didn't. Maybe it's because he already had friends, right? Because we see here in the text that we just got done reading in John chapter 15, he had friends. He called them not his servants. He called them his friends. He had the 12 disciples. They were his friends, his closest inner circle, right? These were friends of his. They weren't just ministry partners. They were his friends. And we see that. And not only were they his friends, but you also see in that text that he cared about these people deeply. And so that is pretty cool when you stop and think about it. That Jesus wasn't just here to rally the troops and say, I want you on my team so that we can accomplish all these great things. No, he was like, no, you're going to be my friends as well, right? I'm going to share the business with you. Like, you're going to know why we're doing what we're doing. And, and, and we're going to, and it's just a beautiful picture. But even though he had friends, he never really addressed the friendship thing. And so it's like, here we all have this desire, but he never talked about it. And maybe he didn't really need to. Maybe he was like, I'm just going to simply live it out, and I'm going to show you what a friend looks like. And so he didn't have to teach on it much because he was just sort of modeling it to them. And it's like, okay, we get it. Like, be like him, and we're going to be a good friend. Okay, check. Right? That could be the case. I don't know why. But even though the disciples had this great teacher on modeling what friendship might have looked like, the disciples still got it wrong at times. Okay? And it wasn't because they were dumb or stupid. It was just because things in the kingdom of God oftentimes work differently than the way our world works. The way culture sort of leads us to do things. And, and the world oftentimes will tell us that we need to be looking inwardly. That we need to be saying, I need to look out for number one. Take care of myself. But, but, but taking care of somebody else's interests first, that just doesn't really make sense. Right? I need to take care of my own interests first. But that's exactly what Jesus was teaching, was the opposite of what the world was teaching. He was saying, take care of their interests first before you take care of yourself. 
Right? The principle Jesus taught can be applied to friendship, really, when you stop and think about it. It can be applied to all the relationships of your life. But really, like, let's look at the lens through, through the lens of friendship right here, right now. Because check this out. Let, let's look at how things played out with Jesus and the disciples. Because this one time, Jesus and the disciples, they were actually traveling down the road like they often do. They didn't hop in cars and drive to this next city. It was like they had to walk, right? And so as a group, they would walk to this next city. And as they're walking, conversations would, would begin to happen. And it was like they were a large enough group that you would have multi conversations happening. It's like a conversation over here, a few conversations over here, and it's like you would sort of drift in. That one's getting boring, so I think I'm going to talk with these people over here, and you sort of drift around in your conversations. Sort of like when we're setting up church, you know, here, it's like, I, I, I'm always drifting. I'm like talking with these guys in the worship team, and it's like, man, they get really boring fast, and so then I go back to Ruthie, and I'm like, let's talk back here, and, and then it's like Charles here, you know, and it's like, I just bounce, you know? It's like lots of conversations. The amount of conversations I have on a Sunday are amazing, and that's what's happening as they walk down the road. And as they walk down the road, they arrive at the house. And it's like, this is the moment that's exciting, right? Because you finally made it to the destination. You're hot, you're sweaty. It's like, man, it's like, we're here. And, and now we can sort of rest and relax and enjoy each other's company. But then Jesus, now that they're at this stranger's house, Jesus actually asked them a question. And I want you to check out what Jesus actually asked his friend group, his disciples, his followers. He asked them this in Mark chapter 9, verse 33 through 34. He says, they came to this place and then he, when he was in the house, he asked them, what were you arguing about on the road? What were you arguing about on the road? But they kept quiet because on the way they had been arguing about who was the greatest. I love this. I mean, this is just great, isn't it? I mean, they're all glad that they've arrived at their destination. Things are going good. They're having a good time. And then Jesus, all of a sudden, in his tactful way, realizes there's something that he needs to bring up, something he needs to address. So rather than just sort of call it out, he, he's, he's just like, I'm going to ask a question. Even though I know the answer, I'm just going to ask a question. So, so guys, uh, what were you arguing about on the road? And there's just sort of that awkward silence. You've done this, right? You've done this with your kids. You guys know what I'm talking about. It's like you're driving down the road. Kids are arguing in the back and you're hearing it, you know, and you're like, ah, that's not looking too good. And, and so all of a sudden, like there comes a moment where you realize they've been arguing and you've got to address that situation. And it's like, but you don't want to just go straight on. It's like you're going to come a roundabout way, you know, and so you just sort of ask them. So, guys, like I heard you guys arguing in the back. What were you guys arguing about? And it's like when you ask that question, it's like all of a sudden the whole mood changes, right? Because it's like the argument is past but you just brought it back up again and now there's the awkwardness of like who's going to tell right it's like everybody sort of gets quiet no one wants to tell the truth because you're like i know what we were talking about probably shouldn't have been talked about i we probably shouldn't have been arguing and maybe mom or dad doesn't really know and so we'll just sort of stay quiet make it awkward and we'll see who's going to talk first is it going to be brother sister is it going to be mom dad is it who's going to break the ice here and the disciples man this is the exact situation that they're in they don't want to answer the question why because the conversation that that they were having, it wasn't going to reflect themselves in a good light, right? It wasn't going to paint them in a good picture. Why? Because what were they arguing about? Well, they're arguing about who was going to be the greatest. 
So they're walking down the road. They're looking at each other. They're like, man, hey, guess what? You know, like, I know we're all friends here and all, you know, but when it comes to the social status of the kingdom of God, <laughs> which one of us do you think is going to be the top dog, right? You know, yeah, like, I'm pretty sure that I'm going to be above you. Like, I, hey, we're friends and all, but I'm just saying, I got a little bit more clout. Like, I, I've, I've talked to Jesus a few more times than you. Like, I was there when Jesus did this and you, you know, like, and so uh, this argument of like, who matters most in our inner circle, in our friend group, who is number one, right? I mean, that's what they're talking about. And that doesn't shine well with Jesus, right? It's like, so everybody's awkward. Everybody's silent. No one's answering Jesus's question. Thankfully, Jesus broke the silence, right? And I want you to notice what Jesus says here in Mark chapter nine, verse 35. He says this, he says, sitting down, Jesus called the 12 together. So at first, what does he do? He brings everybody together because he, I, I need you all to hear this because I know you were all sort of arguing about this. So come together and he gets everybody together. And then he says this, he says, anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. Now, I'm not sure how the disciples received this. It doesn't really tell us in the text. And I imagine they knew that they were sort of being called out here. That it was like, okay, this is like, we're sort of getting spanked a little bit. Um, but as, as you look at it, you're like, this seems a little bit weird, right? It seems a little bit backwards. It doesn't seem like something that is right. The greatest is going to become the least, and even though it doesn't make sense, even though it's a little bit backward, as you read the following verses, you don't really see the disciples asking any questions about it. And I don't know why the disciples didn't ask why. I mean, because it really doesn't, didn't make sense. And it's like, why didn't they ask questions? Maybe it was because they were embarrassed, right? Maybe it's because they just completely confused and they're like, you know what? Regardless, I just don't... <laughs> Like, I'm a little bit embarrassed about our argument. We just got called out, and so I'm just going to let it drop. I'm, I'm not going to bring this up anymore. Let's see if he'll forget about it, let it slide this one time. Yeah, it's weird, but Jesus says a lot of weird things. And so we leave it. But Jesus didn't do that, right? Jesus didn't forget about this moment. He didn't move on and just sort of blow it off as if it never happened. In fact, later on, we see the same idea come up again. Where he's like, no, they got to get this. they got to understand this. And this time when he brings it up, he doesn't just give a little like cool little Twitter post, 140 characters or less. It's like, here's a quote for you to remember. No, this time he does a little bit more. This time he actually does something to actually drive the point home. He gives an illustration. So once again, we see them all together. They're traveling on their way to Jerusalem. Okay, They get to Jerusalem. They're about to celebrate one of the biggest holidays of the year. And then all of a sudden, they're upstairs in the stranger's house. And they're, they're getting ready to have the meal, the final meal. They've been walking for miles throughout these dusty, dirty roads. And, and they're about to, to you know sit down for a meal. I and mean, this is an exciting time, a moment of relaxation, a moment of rest, a moment of fellowship, a moment of conversation. And everyone is so glad to finally be here in the moment. They're all sitting down as friends. They're going to share the meal. And then all of a sudden, in the, right before the meal starts, Jesus does something. Check it out. John chapter 13, verse 4 through 5. It says, it says, so he got up from the meal. He took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. I want you to imagine this for a moment, right? I mean, this is, this is, this is probably one of those 
awkward moments again, right? <laughs> Everything sort of gets silent because everyone is like ready to dive into the meal. And if you've traveled, you guys know, like, man, when you're hungry, it's like, okay, like, would you guys just quit talking? Like, because it's, it's time to eat now, right? It's like, like you ever went to a family gathering? It's like, like you travel this distance and it's like, when you get there, it's like, everybody's like, yeah, yeah, everybody wants to talk. And you're like, no, we just need to eat first. Like, we need to fill that void so that we can move on to the conversation, right? So that's sort of where they're at. And, and everyone's like enjoying the conversation, but they're all trying to move it to the point of having a meal. And then all of a sudden your leader, the, the guy who you're sort of following, all of a sudden he stands up. And he begins to undress. He's dressing down. And, and, and then he gets on his hands and he gets on his knees. And he begins to take your dirty, smelly feet. I mean, these are not feet that had pedicures, right? No pedicures here, right? These were blister-filled, dirty you know, feet because they've been walking all this distance on, on, and they had sandals usually on. And so like their feet were nasty. I mean, it wasn't feet that you wanted to have in your hands. And yet here you have Jesus, the son of God, the, 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 the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, your leader who is getting dirty with your dirt, with your feet. He, he has stepped into a role of someone who is not worthy to be sitting at their table. Someone who would be able to not share a meal with them. Why? Because, because the lowest of low servants would have the job of washing somebody's feet. And yet, that is exactly what their leader was doing. This was an illustration that Jesus did in order to make a message crystal clear to his followers, to his friends. The very last... The least of these, the servant of all. See, Jesus was demonstrating his love for his friends by serving them. He put his needs aside and he put his love into action. He didn't care what he looked like on the outside. He didn't care about the mess of their feet. Instead, he moved into the mess in order to benefit them all. See, Jesus wasn't about just getting things from his friends. Instead, he was all about giving things to his friends. He desired to serve them in the best way that he possibly could, no matter how it made him look. And I'm telling you, this was uncomfortable. When you look at this story through the lens of friendship, it reveals a whole concept that seems to totally be foreign, right? We don't think of a friend as serving we don't think of a friend as getting dirty for them. We don't think of a friend as, I'm going to humble myself before you. That's not how we think of our friendships, do we? Instead, we think of friendships more as a term of being equal. We're equal here. You give, and then I'm going to give. Things need to be the same across the board if we're going to have a friendship. When, when we do something for a friend... It's like we did it, but then there's this expectation that sometime soon they'll be returning the favor to us. Otherwise, they're taking advantage of us, and that's so not cool. I mean, if, if we're going to be friends, there needs to be this respect for one another. We need to recognize each other in a certain way. But Jesus wasn't operating in those terms. He was thinking in the terms of this much, much bigger picture. He was trying to show us a new way to operate. 
And the disciples needed to see this. They needed to remember this. And, and more, more importantly than just seeing and remembering was the fact that they needed to actually put it into practice, put it into action. Because this is what Jesus was calling them to do. Jesus was setting an example for them to follow. This was to be applied to all of their relationships. Not just limited to the context of a friendship. No, it was for all of their relationships. Notice how Jesus actually finished this whole thing up in verse 12 through 17. He says, then he, he had finished washing their feet. He put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. Do you understand what I've done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things... You will be blessed if you do them. You will be blessed if you do them. This is not just a message for his friend group, Jesus' 12 disciples. This wasn't just a message for them. This was a message that was intended to carry on throughout time. It was supposed to be a message that would literally carry on to us here today. Jesus wanted us to understand what following him was really all about, which would should should which should be applied to all, all means that we should be applying this to our all of our relationships. And if we're applying this principle to all of our relationships, then that means we apply it to our friends. Now, before we start freaking out. Because I know some of us are sitting there and saying, okay, like, this is getting weird. You're talking about washing my friend's feet. And I've seen my friend's feet. And they're gross. And they're nasty. And they're disgusting. And I don't want to wash anybody's feet, right? So before you freak out, like, I, I don't think the point that Jesus was making that we need to have a whole bunch of foot washing ceremonies. I've been at services where they've done that, right? And they call somebody out. And they bring them up. And they wash the foot. Like, I'm not going to do that to anybody. So you don't have to freak out. I'm not going to wash your feet right here, right now. Okay? So don't freak out. The point that... Jesus was making though that is so 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 important is Jesus actually was saying what you need to do is you need to put aside your status in order to serve put aside your status be willing to take the lowest of the low the lowest servant would wash feet be willing to get dirty be willing to do the unthinkable thing that everybody's going to be saying I can't believe you're doing that and be willing to go there in order to serve that relationship. We spend most of our time thinking, what am I going to get out of this relationship? Are they going to offer me something of value? Are they going to meet my expectations here? But what Jesus was saying is, this is not the way I intend for your relationships to work. I no longer want you to think only about what you can get. I want you to think about what you can give. So quit worrying about what someone can do for you. Quit focusing on if you do this, then they should do that. You need to change your focus here. You need to begin to consider what kind of friend you can be for them with nothing in return. How can I meet their needs? See, when we turn our attention from just getting 
or from just giving to shifting it to thinking of, of a way that we can actually give to them, then all of a sudden Jesus knew that if we did that, that things would change. That's why he gave us such a clear message. It's why he, he says, apply this to all your relationships because it will bring a blessing upon your life. How, how many times do we get so caught up in what a friend has offered, offered us? We get caught up in that all the time. That we forget the most important element of friendship, which is serving I've never seen a friendship suffer or break down as a result of somebody serving them. But I've seen all too many friendships break down and suffer as a result of people fighting for their own interests and own desires. From marriage to family dynamics with kids to work relationship, every relationship you can think of, I've seen them break down because the opposite is applied. Now, I'm not an expert in this. And I'm not saying I got it all figured out, but Jesus expected this to play out in all of our relationships. And as I've looked at some of my friendships throughout the years, I've, I've personally seen the blessing that actually comes from this. When I was a young adult, um, I didn't consider myself like the best friend. I wasn't, you know, somebody who was a great friend. I didn't think. But for some reason, I kept finding myself in all these weddings. <laughs> These people just kept asking me to be in the wedding. And it was really becoming a problem because weddings cost money. It was like I was traveling to this state. I was renting a tux. As a young adult, didn't have any money. And I'm like, man, I got to really figure out what I'm doing here to make it so that I'm not in so many weddings. You know, like I was like, I got to figure this out. And finally, I figured it out. The reason why I was getting asked to be in all these weddings was simply because I was being a friend to people without expecting anything in return because I really didn't think that they were that good of a friend for me but I was like I'll be a friend to them you know like I didn't really care you know like but because I didn't care all of a sudden it elevated me to a whole nother level because I kept coming through for them and all of a sudden they're like man I want you in my wedding I want you in my wedding and I couldn't learn how to say no and so I ended up in a lot of weddings and I'm still like sort of surprised by it but I realized that it was because I was serving them Expecting nothing in return. And some of those relationships have drifted off. And I'm like, man, you should ask somebody else to be in that. You know, because they, they moved on. You know, and it was, I'm still friends with all of them. I still would do stuff for them. But, you know, it's just weird how the blessings come. See, eventually, when you do this, the blessing will come. It wasn't expected, but it just came. See, when you... When you when you evaluate, when you value, when you're trying to add value to some, serving some one of your friends, there's things that begin to change all around you. All of a sudden, people are actually drawn to that. Sometimes that friend does something back to you, and other times, other people start noticing and they say, "You know what? I want to be friends with that." Reed, you can come on up. And so they get drawn to you because they, they they're like, "Man, what? They, do you see the way that they keep serving that person?" And so all of a sudden, all of, you, you, you want friends. You start doing this, and all of a sudden, you've got these groups of people that begin to flock to you. And they say, I just want to be close to you because I see how you treat other people. Not expecting anything in return. It's a blessing that you can't even really explain. It's what we're called to do. You've got to remember what Romans chapter 12, verse 15 says. It says, rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. See, when we become interested in in the, their world and what is going on in their lives 
all of a sudden we can find so many different ways that we can put into action and come alongside them and strengthen them because we're interested in them over us. And all your relationships become stronger because of it. The thing that I find so cool about this is the fact that you can receive a blessing from doing this regardless if you follow Jesus or not. I just always find that cool. That you cannot be a Christ follower and apply one of his principles and still receive the blessing from it. Because if you live this out, it will attract people to you. It just will. But here's the thing. Even though you're applying that principle as a non-Christ follower and you're seeing your friendships strengthen and grow to a deeper level and you're starting to see others that are drawn to you and want to be friends with you because of it, you're still left with a void if you don't accept what Jesus did for you on the cross. Because the truth of the matter is, Jesus, he laid down his life so that you might have life. There's no greater friend move than that. Right? So just in case somebody's here today and hasn't said yes to following him, we always want to give an opportunity to do so. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here and you're saying, man, I want this moment to be my moment of saying yes to Jesus. I just want you to do that on the count of three. Ready? One, two, three. you said yes to Jesus in that moment, you need to tell somebody. But with everybody look up here, and I want to finish with this. It's not always easy to be this kind of friend, a friend who serves. It can actually be really, really hard. Because they don't always serve you back. And that can put you in a place where you begin to feel used and abused. And when you start to feel that way and start to take pity upon yourself because you're not getting back what you're giving, you have to stop and you have to ask, what is your motivation in serving them in the first place? Is your motivation to get something back or is your motivation to model the character of Jesus to them? Because if your motivation is to model the character of Jesus to them, then everything changes. It's like, okay, I can go back to the fact that they're not serving me back. And I can do this because I want them to experience what I've experienced from him. So the cue I want to give us this week is another question. And the question is this. How can I follow Jesus's lead to serve with the friends that are currently in my life? How can I follow Jesus's lead to serve with the friends that are in my life currently? Am I willing to get on my knees and deal with the dirt in their lives? Because if I am, then maybe I'll actually be willing to take the next step. And the next step would actually be to start to create a list of ways that you could actually serve those friends maybe this week. I mean, the truth of the matter is you could get really, really creative, have a lot of fun here. And you could actually say, you know what, like now that I got a list, maybe, maybe I could actually put some action. This is the most important step that I could put action to serving them this week, maybe even today. So let's just take a moment and let's just pray this through and then I'll come up. And I'll close.